Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. In this episode, we had the honor of sitting down with two titans in our industry. We first talked to Jerry Holcomb, the owner of SNS Service Center in Kansas City, Missouri, and the godfather of Vision High Tech Training and Expo. Jerry is a cancer survivor and has Parkinson's disease, but still works in his shop every single day. What's more, he was at ADAPT learning about the new technology coming into the industry so he could properly position his shop for the future. About 20 minutes in, we're joined by Doug Grills, a multi-shop owner from Virginia who had just taught a class at Ratchet & Wrench Management Conference. We talk about the future of the industry, what it holds for the regular independent repair shop, as well as culture, and what it looks like to go from one shop to five or more. Before we get started, make sure you have this podcast set to automatically download the latest episode, leave us a review on your favorite podcast app, And don't forget to check out our content on YouTube. And now, here we go. Jerry, how you doing, buddy? The father of vision. That's it. There you go. Godfather. <laughs> the Godfather vision. Is this the first time you've ever been to this one? To adapt? First time to adapt. I've been to Ratchet & Ranch before. Have you? Yeah. So the the uh, the first time I went to Ratchet & Ranch was last year. And it's a it's neat. It's different than any of the other ones, right? Because it they it's got uh, it's got different type of networking than what we're used to. You know, it, it doesn't have that conventional networking. It's got forced networking. Exactly. Whether you like it or not, you're going to talk to somebody. Exactly. That sounds like exactly. a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for somebody like you, I'm sure it is. Well, isn't that going to just alienate every introvert ever? No, just you. That's kind of what they were hoping for, I think. They were just trying to keep you out. I think I need to speak for the introverts. I'm a little bit of an introvert myself, but yeah. I, but I enjoy it. Yeah, I do too. Um, and, and we've talked. You about can't it. be an introvert and and say well, I enjoy talking to strangers. I no, that's terrifying. It, it sounds like the worst thing ever. The only reason I'm here is because of him. You know, a, a, a weird sense of obligation to poor Lucas over here. I was like, I can't leave him hanging. So here I show up. You know, I, I take him these places, and I make him go to these shows. And, and it takes me two hours in the morning to get him out of bed to get him down here. And then by the time we get done, he has to rest for six hours before he can talk to anybody. There you go. <laughs> so, so, what? you know, we were talking earlier about ADOS, right? And we were talking about what does that technology mean for our businesses? And, and where do we stand on adapting it and putting it into our business? Um, 
you know, you're, you're as the father of vision, as they say, right? Godfather. Godfather of vision. Um, you come to an event like this and you hear about the newest, most emergent technology on the scene right now. What do you think when you hear that? Well, that's part of the reason that I did come. Okay. Is because I see people talking about getting ADOS. I see people develop or devoting a complete shop right. to setting up for ADOS. And I think I can't do that. Right. But what else is available? What what other ways are there to be able to take this technology and do something with it? Right. So a question that I asked Chris Chesney, who is one of the smartest guys I know about this stuff. Amen. Absolutely. Is are the manufacturers going to somehow make it so they're either self-calibrating or a lot easier than it's set up right now? Right. And his answer to that was they'll probably do a lot more static right. calibration than dynamic. Right. Because you got to drive a car an hour to two hours right. to get the, the dynamic set up. Well, and, and, you know, we've heard that so many times before, and, and it's come from so many different people that that is probably what's going to happen. Um, and so, you know, David, you've done the, the ADOS thing. You've set it up in your shop to where? So I, I got another building, and I set it up. I bought the equipment, and we have an entire setup just for ADOS calibrations. And the, the reason why I didn't want to do the mobile thing not all mobile <laughs> guys are doing this, but a lot of them very openly, very openly. Are you in some of the groups? Oh, yeah. yeah. They will use some trickery to trick the computer into accepting the calibration. And they will put shades over the, the cameras on the, on the windshields and... The floor may not be exactly level what the OE requires, but you know what? You, you know, some, some of them will calculate it out and, and will do the math like you're supposed to. Others don't care. And it just depends on who you're getting. And there's so many variables to the calibration process that you have no control over because you're relying on Bob's mobile diagnostics in the van. To do everything to OE spec and that car veers off and hits somebody or hits a vehicle and there's an injury. Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your parts tech account, go to my shop and click on the rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, Shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. They're going to go, you know, SNS did this last calibration. SNS goes, oh, no, no, Bob's mobile did it. Bob doesn't answer the phone, and he was in a van. And the registration or the, the Kansas uh, or the Missouri business license was to a P.O. box. And that thing disappeared. And all of a sudden, you're like, who am I going after? 
somebody's going to flip the bill for this liability. And so I would rather be on the hook for it because of my mistake rather than relying on somebody else to do it. Same thing with like alignments and stuff like that. Like that was a big push. We had, we didn't have the space for an alignment rack. I got a different building. We started doing our own alignments because you know what? I'm relying on that other tech or that other shop or, you know, to not be having a bad day. And there's too many variables and, and alignment's not that big a deal. I've been in that same boat myself. Yeah. You and, know, we, we had a, a local alignment specialty shop. But I just always felt like they're not really doing it. They're, they're getting right. it aimed, but they're not getting it aligned. Yeah. And uh, I come across, across a really good deal on a complete alignment setup. It was an old John Bean. Not Jim Bean. Right. <laughs> John, John Bean. And uh, the lift, all the alignments, the calibration bar, the whole deal. And I thought... I can be in the alignment business right. and be and know that what I send out is right. properly right. aligned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was getting a bunch of. We we went through the same thing. We went through a couple of different shops and sublet and talked to a bunch of different people, and they always came back and steered wheel wasn't straighter. It'd pull a little bit, and we had somebody that did it for years that we knew it was done right. And if it wasn't, if there was something off, he'd call and say, "Hey, what do you want me to do?" And so we had that line of communication. We knew that that thing was right when it came back or at least we knew something was up. Well, when he left, I didn't have that anymore. But, you know, David, what scares me is is every single week I'm talking to you and you're like, yeah, I don't have this one thing I need. And that one thing didn't work. And we tried to calibrate this one thing, but I can't because of that one thing. Yeah. That makes me nervous, you know? So that, we've been running into the, the oh, I've got – 87% coverage, and I some, somehow seem to keep, keep hitting that 13%. And, of course, you, you get a hold of the equipment guy, and the equipment guy's like, well, it's in this kit. It's $1,300. We got them ready to ship. It's like, okay, well, great. And you're going to get seven other pieces that you've already got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it is what it is. But, you know, it's, it's sort of like if you're going to make the commitment, you might as well make the commitment. And uh, I get so mad at, at Matt, Matt Scundridge. I, I remember talking to him on the phone because I wanted to get into like EPROM stuff and keys and, you know, just that kind of, that kind of stuff. And he goes, rather than go, man, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. There's an ev- never ending, su- like pieces of equipment. It, there's always, there's a piece of equipment that's five, $600 that will do this one MCU on this one board for this one model. And then that's it. But you need it this one time and you spend the five, six hundred bucks. And then you gotta learn how to use it and this, that, and the other. So like there's this whole thing to it. And then the next one, you're like, oh, I got that. No, no, it doesn't cover that one chip. And so you start the process all over again. Now he could have explained it to me, but he didn't. And said so he goes, Don't you don't want to mess with that. Don't even bother. Well, why? Because I'm just telling you, don't bother. It's like, but but why? <laughs> I just have to know. I just gotta know. Have like, to know. just tell me what what's wrong with it. Uh, and you know, he didn't tell me. And what did I do? I got into it. And now we're three or four piece, you know, pieces of equipment. So, by the way, if you guys ever need me to to jack a module for you because there are none available and it's six months out. And you're like, hey, you know what? I talked to a guy that can that can slap a new VIN in the sucker and ship the car. Just give me a call. <laughs> He's still we, trying to pay for like five I gotta or pay six for of those so, things at Yeah, this I got to pay for so many pieces of equipment at this point, and I haven't made a dime on it. So, uh, But, you know, ADOS has, has been the same thing. It, it's We're going to make the commitment. So I made the investment. I've got 87% coverage at this point. Um, I, and surprisingly, and it's not even that they don't, this is what they don't tell you. You've got the, you've got the, the machine, but you got to have a, uh, a mess of different scanners because the scanner is what tells it, Hey, accept this calibration. Set, yeah, sure. Sets it up. And on this model, that snap on will work, but. On this other model, that snap-on will not work, and you better grab that Altel. And on that model, that Altel doesn't work, and you better grab something else. So you've yeah. got to have a mess of, of scanners 
or a J box to get in there yeah. and push it because yeah, it's frustrating because you spend, <laughs> you spend 30 minutes like now put this here. Okay. Put this here and you get it all set up perfect and you hit the button and it just, you get those, the spinny wheel of wheel death, of death. Yeah. Yeah. spinny wheel of death. And like, ugh, what did I do wrong? You start back over. No, it was the scanner's fault. It just wasn't pushing the, the calibration through. So yeah, I mean, it's, but it is what it is. It's like anything else. How long have you been in the industry? How long have you been doing this? I guess it kind of depends on how you look at it. Okay. I worked for my dad. He had a gas station slash garage. Right. From the time I was 16 years old. Okay. And in 1972, I would have been 22 years old. Right. He offered me the business. He was going to retire. Okay. I was smart enough to know what I didn't know. Right. And I told, I told him no. Okay. So two guys named Schwent and Solomon bought the business from him. Ten years later, I was ready, and they were ready to sell. Okay. I bought it. So I've been doing it 40 years. Wow. And so you've seen a lot of these transitions over the years. You, you've seen us transition from technology to technology to technology. Does this feel different from what it was before? It was, you know, you, you saw the OBD-1, you saw the OBD-2. Does this feel different than what you, you experienced then? To me, no, it does not. Okay. Ah, it, see, I told you. I told well, you. That, that's what I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just happening again on something else. Right. I mean, I was there when disc breaks. How's that going to work? <laughs> right. You know, and uh, that's one reason I'm, I'm here this weekend. Right. Is so I can get some information. Do I want to go farther? Do I want to get into this? Or do I want to right. call David when I got a problem? Right. I, uh, there's lots of people I'll call when I got a problem. He ain't one of them. <laughs> I typically call him when I've already found the solution, but, but I need you to just do this thing. Don't, don't ask me questions. Right. Like, yeah. Well, so, I, so you basically call him to go, nah, 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 nah. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I, to me, that's very insightful. Right, because there, there's a lot. There's been a lot of panic lately, and and maybe panic's not the right word. But there's been a lot of whether it's fear mongering or it's folks that are out here talking about all this big change is going to be happening. You know, and and we I met with the OEs for a little bit yesterday, and and you know they they had a resounding message. We're in this together. We're not interested in causing you harm or hurting you or or not giving you what you need, but we expect you to be professionals. We, we expect you to do a good job, and we need you to learn because this doesn't happen unless we learn. And this is new technology, and all we're asking you to do is make sure that you're capable of doing this because your reputation becomes our reputation when you work on our car, right? That's right. And so I, I thought that was such a, a refreshing message, especially from them, that, that, hey, they're not trying to take something away from us. They're trying to help. But we've got to be willing to accept the hell. Even the speaker that just spoke. Yep. Yep. I mean, he, he, it was a little confusing the way he put his message out there. Right. But I, I assume it's because he was an Audi guy. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> and they think the way Audis are built. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but, but still, he's, he put the message that we're all in this together. Yeah, Maybe exactly. I thought it was interesting that he was like his frame is what everything he was doing was to the benefit of the end consumer. And that's how, that's all he cared about. He wasn't like for or against the, yeah, the aftermarket. He was like, it's it's whatever. I don't care. I need somebody to take care of my customer. If it's the dealer, great. If it's you guys, it's great. I don't care. It just has to be that the customer is taken care of in a professional manner and to our specifications, and then that's it. And that's all that matters. And you saw him say, I don't want to say his name because I want to give him a bunch of hot water, but you saw him say that I have more uh, independent collision certified shops in my network than I do dealer certified shops. Yeah. And and the, I, it did not come from, from that organization. There was another organization here that said, I have confidence that the aftermarket can repair our vehicle better than anybody else. 
He yeah. said, I don't have any doubt about that. Now, there's some facilities that can't. We know that. We know that we've got a little bit of cleaning up to do or, you know, they'll call themselves. But, I mean, for the most part, I think it shows that we do a pretty darn good job. No, like 1% of shots. Do yeah, but, I mean, I'm just saying for them to notice <laughs> that the 1% is doing that good job, right? Well, yeah, that's great. But, you know. Are you in that 1%? I would hope so. I'm not. I'm actually. <laughs> we do an awful job. <laughs> so what? Yeah, this is this is my life. Just so you know, we're doing we're doing control arm bushings on a Volvo. Car's got to go that night. So my tech gets the bushings in. We do the alignment. Car won't start. <laughs> I'm like, you left the battery. The die down you took too long on the alignment the lights were on or whatever oh, it's not the battery of course it's not the car's been sitting in my shop for like a week and a half it has started just fine we've moved it around this that and it's just it's perfect it, it no problems the minute i need to deliver the car <laughs> the stupid thing won't start i hate cars i hate them hey you're in the right business oh no he, he is he is he i was sitting at i was sitting at lunch yesterday Right, and he's still in Kansas City. I'm sitting at lunch, and and I know I'm going to have a rough afternoon because I start seeing that you know those Facebook voice messages you can get, and one pops up, and then another one, and then another one, and another one, and another one, and they start getting faster and faster, and then all of a sudden I don't even listen to them. I'm in a restaurant, and I know half the time it's got curse words in it, so I know better than listen to it in public, you know. And all of a sudden, I just start seeing pictures of David's loaner car smashed up and the wheels. Oh yeah, that was the other thing. The guy calls me up and he's like, we were supposed to finish this car on Friday and we didn't quite get it done, but he was in a loaner car. So I'm like, I'm not pressing my technician to finish the car because he's in a loaner car. He calls me up. Hey, uh, you guys working on my car? Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to get it done today for you. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, I smashed up your loaner. I needed a tow truck. I'm like, okay. He's like, yeah, I slid and hit a curb and I popped the tires. No, he didn't pop the tires. He ripped the spindles like off of the car and tucked it up underneath the car. Was it raining? It didn't, I mean, it was a little wet. Yeah, it was a little wet. Um, but it, you know, it was like Kansas City on, on and off rain, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it was slick, but he was driving like an a-hole is what it was. Like decides he was going to drift through a corner and he's like, Oh crap. I'm not in my golf R. Yeah, but the, I'm in an Impala <laughs> with bald tires on it. No, 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 no. That sucker had just gotten new tires on it, and I just dumped thousands in to fix all the stupid leaks on the you, car. You know, I'm going to give you a piece of advice, and, and anybody listening, you need to know this if you have loaner cars. If you had billed those tickets out at full price, the insurance company would put that back in there for you. Come on in. You know it? Oh, I do. Okay. I just discount them out at the bottom. Okay. So don't, don't you put them in I, at full price? I put them in a full price. I just don't uh, I don't discount them on the P&L. I discount them at, at the invoice level. Right. So it shows you full retail value, $7,000 or whatever the hell it is that we did uh, on this car, and then discount, discount. So do you have... The customer signing a disclaimer on your loaners. We, hit, we, yeah, insurance. we've got his insurance and all that garbage. Yeah. But you know, that it helps. was, it does help, but sometimes you end up loaning a car to a guy that's like, he needs a car. We don't have the car ready for him. And you're like, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I've got ARS loaner because the thing is you loan it to somebody who is not legit or something happens mm. and then they crash the car and they hurt somebody, man, it is, it's not just that you have a car that you have loaned out and it's not just that they damaged the car or hurt somebody. It's now that there was negligence on your part to verify that he had the proper insurance or that he had whatever. Sure. Right. So now it, it's that you've been neglectful. Yeah. Right? And that was their point when I was talking to ARS. They're like, you always make sure you check it and say it has full coverage. I said, don't ever let somebody get one that does not have full coverage. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't care if they cover the car or not. The car's, you know, an older car's not that big of a deal. They said, that's not the point. The point of having full coverage is that you can say, hey, look, they've, they've taken an effort 
to take care of whatever was going to happen, right? Mm. That they, you know, because you can't check their limits necessarily. So, David, do you have a policy on who gets a loaner? Because we don't give them out unless the customer is a a repeat customer. And so we didn't do the repeat customer. That I don't give them out to I don't give them out to old ladies that if they get in a different car, they don't know where stuff is. Yeah. I, most of my customers self-regulate on that aspect. If they're uncomfortable driving the car, they tell us. They're like, oh, I don't know this car, this, that, and the other. And you're like, okay, well, we'll do our best. Um, we we lent a car out to a first-time customer. She smashed it up and then stiffed us for the deductible. That was nice. And then, um, but no, uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, to customers that have existed. They have to have a valid driver's license we get a picture of the valid driver's license we get a picture of their insurance uh we let them know that hey we're going after your insurance if you smash the crap out of our cars i have beaters i mean they're beat up they're old they leak oh well, me too bit. yeah but bit. uh still they're valuable yeah yeah well yeah <laughs> so am i oh, i got so mad at my text are screaming at them at the airport they kept telling me it's like it's not worth fixing this thing I'm like, I'm not asking if it's worth it. I'm asking you, can it be fixed, or is there chassis damage? If there is there, if there's frame damage, right. I'm not fixing it. Right. But if it's, I got to throw some some knee assemblies on this. The sucker's getting knee assemblies. It's getting back on the road. Like, don't tell me whether it's worth it or not. Do you guys have any concept how much money those loaners make me? You don't, because we haven't done the math yet. But I'm just telling you, with you, I haven't just sat there and done the math to show you how much money these loaners make me. Don't tell me it's worth it. I started screaming. I got so mad. It was like I felt my my whole head get red because they said like three or four times to me. They're like, it's not worth fixing, Dave. Don't tell me it's not worth it. So, Jerry, where are we going from from here? What what do you think the future of the industry holds the next five, ten years? A lot more. A lot more technology. I think it's going to double and triple. How fast they start dumping on us. Right. So what do the shops do that, that don't adopt? That was our discussion earlier. If the average car is 12 years, or the majority of cars, what is almost 50% of cars are over 12 years old or 12 years and older, is, is it going to be a matter of just waiting it out? I mean, you're here at ADAPT looking at, you know, do I need to make changes in my business in order to sustain the business? Is it going to be a waiting game? Because I think there's a lot of shops that are waiting it out. And they're like, well, we'll see how it goes. I agree. They're waiting it out. And those shops will probably be the ones that shut down or, yeah. or have a big multi-store operation come in and buy them out, yep. add them to their group. Hey, Doug, why don't you come on over here and sit down and throw you a set of headphones on? It might be a good spot for you to come into this conversation. Does everybody know Doug? You know Doug? We've seen each other. All right. Just talk like right into the mic. It's the only thing you got to do. Yeah, we can slide it over if we need to. Yeah. You can you so, can slide it like up against it if you if you prefer whatever you want to do. Sure. So uh, right there. Turn it Give me on. a mic. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There you go. So. Um, I was going to steal that out of the ice bucket, and I'm like, that looks like somebody's. And I didn't want to take it because I'm like, I don't see any other sparkling water. Yeah, I actually got it. I got it earlier this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I've been nursing this Somebody thing was going to jack that on me. Yeah. <laughs> so Doug and I really got to talk for the first time the other night. Yep. And, and you know, you're talking about multi-stores. And I, I, I want you to know, and I mean this, um, Dave and I have talked for a long time that it seems like a lot of multi-store owners want the boat, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That the focus is the money. The focus is the growth. The focus is, is not on the people anymore. It's not on the client. It's on the money. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's about the number. Right. And so, man, after dinner the other night, I was like extremely inspired because I had kind of found myself in this spot where I was saying one shop is probably the limit of what I'm going to be willing to even consider. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And then I sat through your class, and it was like a a uh, breath of fresh air because it's a completely different mentality than what everybody else multi shops been teaching. Mm-hmm. 
share your mentality with these guys. I, I want them to hear that because, you know, you're talking about shops being bought out by a multi-store location. And I, I think a lot of us have kind of a negative connotation of what that looks like. I mean, me and you have talked about it more than once that, you know. If they want to come buy it, I'm willing to sell. <laughs> Yeah. You, want, you can deal with that Volvo not You're starting ready. on a Friday afternoon. Let's hear the price. You're ready to let them overpay? <laughs> no, no. They, they will find that I'm very malleable on my price. Mm-hmm. If you had half a honey bun, David would sell you the shop today, okay? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, for us, um, you know, like I talked about the other day, multi, the multi-store environment, creating that opportunity was really a lot about how do we create more opportunity for our people. Right. Um, and so that's always been the focus for us. We always, when we started, had this vision of operating multiple locations. So it's just something that my business partner and I brought to the table because of our background. We were working in the gas station business and right. owning multiple shops was probably a more, that's just a more common thing. I mean, right. gas stations, I said shops, but, you know, having multiple. So we, we really had that in our minds when we started. And... Um, so for us, again, we just we wanted to create opportunity to grow the company, yeah. to create opportunity for our people, and be focused on that. Serve the communities that we're that we're working in, and make a difference that way as well. I do think you're right. There's probably a subset of people that that's not what they're thinking about. Right. right? They're they're thinking about rolling up a certain number of stores and then being approached by somebody, right? Private right. equity or somebody, and and jumping out of the thing. Um, and I'll tell you, I, I, you know, it's really funny. I, I was, uh, I was at a, uh, a meeting. It's been a while now, a year or two ago, uh, when I was out in Colorado with Greg Bunch's group, uh, in the Transformers group. And, um, there was a guy there that he, he talked this, he told this story about how his whole life he had been really, really focused on building a company that he would get to about $30 million in sales and then he would sell it. Right. That right. was, so that was his whole thing. It was all exactly what you referred to right. earlier, Lucas, right. like all about the money. And then, so he did that. And when he got it to that level, he said, well, okay, here, I've done all this work and now I've gotten it to where I wanted it. And he, and he sold it. And then now he's sitting in the room and he's saying, that's one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. Right. Right. Because I wasn't really, you know, I took all this life's work and I let it go. And yes, I did make money doing that. Right. But then I real, I quickly realized that, I wanted, you know, I just, it didn't fulfill me. And that was a right. mistake. Almost like I was lost. Like I was looking for something now because yeah. I, I had had this thing and it lost his purpose or he yeah. exactly. Or yeah. he read something in a book or a manual and this is what you were supposed to do. He thought, cause he always, he talked about when he was younger, like, Hey, this was a big dream for me. Like I just wanted to, I wanted to create this model of success and then jump out. And he just talked about how unfulfilling that was. Right. And then, so guess what he did? He had to start from scratch again and right. start a brand new company. And he, and he basically was talking about how, so that, that first, whatever it was, 15 years or t- whatever time it took him right. was kind of gone. Right. And he had to sort of recreate all that and get back in the game and do it again. Cause it was the engagement. It was what he was doing. That's what he loved. Right. Um, it wasn't about the money. Right. So as much as we think that that money's going to give you something, at the it, end, he it, just sort of found like, you know, it's, exactly. And it's it, not what you'd think it is. At the end of the day, it turns out to be paper, doesn't it? That's right. No, <laughs> that's know? right. Jerry, have you ever considered a, a second location? I had a second location for five years. I'm too much of a micromanager to, to let it work. Yeah. <clears throat> when the five-year lease was up. I've never been so happy as I was <laughs> to walk away from that. Sounds like buying a boat, right? right? The exactly. first day, you, the day you buy it and the day you get to sell it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, you know, and, and so, Doug, how, how many shops do you have now? We have eight. We just added two this summer. So we had six and we added one in July and another in August. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting about your presentation the other day was it was probably one of the first presentations that I've ever heard, right? Because mm-hmm. I've been in a lot of classes and, and seen a lot of people talk about multi-store. Mm-hmm. And then you go through these slides and all of a sudden you stop on one. And it's like, when you go to multi-store, you might make it to two mm-hmm. and you might be okay. Right. But when you get to three, 
here's the list of staff members right. that you need to have. You need to understand there's a cost associated with this. I tell a story sometimes. There's a there's a shop that I know, and uh, I, I was speaking with them, and they were upset about something that was going on in their shop, and they were in a small, basically a two- or three-bay shop. And, and they said, we're having issues. We can't get work out. Nothing moves. And they said, so we've leased a 14-bay shop. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you've got problems in two bays, mm-hmm. you're going to have problems in 14 bays. Yeah, right. Sure. There's oh, still on. now there are lots of problems can, that can be alleviated by mm-hmm. space. Yeah, they weren't. There weren't those problems. <laughs> no, no, these problems weren't alleviated, right? Mm-hmm. And so they they went to multi stores like that. They right. went to four or five stores, and and they really over did it in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And and then it ended up costing them in the long run. Ended up costing them everything. They're not in business anymore. But you know, that's my point. Is is so many people have this desire and this idea of of growing like that. It sounds like you've kind of put a system and a process around it that works, mm-hmm. but it's not easy, right? Like it's no, it's not easy. And I think one of the things I talked about the other day that I think is really important is what is the why, right? What yeah. is the why for you? Why do you want to do this? Right. And you know, of course, a lot of people will say, "Well, we're going to be able to make more money," right? That's sort of the first most obvious answer, right? But hopefully you have a more compelling motivation for why you want to do it right. because it's going to take a lot of commitment. And so if it, it could be that you want to create opportunity for the people in your company or maybe you have a family-owned business that you want to create opportunity for other members of your family. Right. right? We see that a lot. Um, maybe you want to be more personally challenged. Right? You think, hey, I, I can do more than I'm doing now and I'm looking to, to find out what that looks right. like and what it takes. Um, so understanding what that why is is really, really important because, as you said, when you, when you go to two, um, you, you know, you're making a huge commitment, as you just talked about, and, um, and dividing yourself in half, like we talked, that's right. pr- you can pull that off, actually. Yeah. It's not terrible. Right. But when you get to dr- dividing yourself into thirds, <laughs> that's, where, that's where it gets interesting. And then I always, you know, I always tell people, I, for me, it didn't really feel like it got easier or, or it, like we got real advantages of, of the economies of scale until we got to maybe five. So that three right. to five space is pretty challenging. Right. Um, when I had mine, second shop, Pete Kernoffel, was he's the former president of CarQuest. He was a good friend, and he's a very intelligent person. And he used to, you know, I'd talk to him. Yeah, I'm beat down. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know why I did this. And his constant re- reply to me was, Jerry, the third one is a lot easier than the second. Really? And I thought, good <laughs> God, the second one's about to kill me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the third one going to do? Yeah, well, you know, and the other thing, too, that I talked about the other day is that there are, there are very many incredibly successful single-store owners right that have yeah. great lives and great operations. They have tremendous control over their businesses. Right. They get a lot of time away. I mean, so that's one of the things I tried to sort of cover when we were you know, presenting the other day was that, hey, you, it's going to be a commitment, right? It is going to be a big change. And so maybe you're good where you are. So right. give it a lot of serious thought. Right. Well, so you shared some of your values. Mm-hmm. Can you share those values with us? Because I, I, that was compelling to me. Right? Sure. Because it, it was, I was really expecting you. Because some of the other multi-store presentations that we've heard here mm-hmm. were about get the car in and out, say yes to everybody, right now, right now, right now. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about the show by any means. I'm just saying that that's the cool thing about Ratchet and Ranch is you get multiple perspectives, right? Right. And so we had met the night before and I, I, that's why I wanted to be in your class because it was really the first time we had sat down and talked. Sure. And after I'd sat in these other classes, I know I, I'm sitting here saying, I know that's not what he's going to say. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what he's going to say because he's going to say something different. And I want to hear it. Can you share your, your compelling reasons? Sure. Sure. So for us, I mean, it starts, I mean, our vision, obviously we, we, we have a commitment to trying to be the best at what we do. And that's, right. so we've got a very high standard as anybody who would be sitting in front of a microphone would tell you, but I mean, right. we're trying to live right. that, right? We're yeah. trying to make that a reality. So we want to be the very best provider in our, in our geographic region, but the values that support that vision, um, you know, one of the things I talk about is that 
I want my values to be something that we can all refer to that I can remember so that whether I'm, you know, have, I'm in a meeting with one of my people or standing in front of a room full of people or right. on a podcast with you, right. that I can tell you exactly what they are. So there's only three of them. Right. Uh, cause there's sometimes I've seen where consultants come up with 26 core values. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I joked around the other day. It's a, it's a wallet card. That's like an accordion. It folds out because right. how are you going to remember 26 values? So for us, it's only three. So the first is passion for excellence. Right. right? So in our company, we, when we talk about being the best, you've got to have great passion for that. And obviously passion is involves a little bit of emotion, right? There's yeah. a real commitment. It's, it's something you care about. Right. And so if you don't care about what you're doing every day, then you're probably not right. in the right place. Yeah. So you got to have great passion for excellence. And the second value is concern for others. And so we, and we, we've got this thing where we say it's the three C's it's C cubed. Right. Um, but it's, it, it involves coworkers, right? The people that you're with in the shop every day. Um, it's customers, the people that you deal with that are coming in and out of the, the, the front door. And then it's your community, right? What are you right. doing that you're in? Are you got to be concerned about the community that you're operating in? Right. So that's the second core value. And then the last one uh, we talked about is perseverance. That no matter what comes your way, you're going to figure out a way to get around it and or go over it or under it or however you decide to do it. But um, what I tried to share with everybody in the room is that no matter what happens, no matter what you're presented with, you can figure out a way to get where you're going, like, and be committed and persevere and overcome and be relentless. When I, you know, got to the yeah. end of the, the end of the presentation, I talk about being relentless and having that deep seated belief in what you're doing and your ability to get it done. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're always amazed by what you can do when you have a great solid plan and you go and execute against it and stay committed no matter what obstacles get thrown in your way. And those obstacles are great learning experiences that just make you better Right. sharper for the future. Right. And, 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 you know, I've been through some of that, right? Like I've been through some of those challenges where, mm -hmm. where I've woke up and said, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Right? Oh, we I, all have everybody. Yeah. We all have. That's every morning for me, dear. For sure. <laughs> every single morning. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I tell people all the time that, that the problems get better, right? Mm -hmm. Like the problems don't go away, but you eventually begin to get better problems that don't seem like, you know, catastrophic, better problems. They're different. Different problems. No, they're they're better. They're definitely better. No, I don't think so. <laughs> just, listen, just because your problems aren't getting better, but that's because you're not willing to change anything. The Volvo would start. I don't even know what we did. You worked on a Volvo. I touched it. I don't know. Suspension bushings. What do you deal with that? Do you see? You're like, yeah, maybe better problems. He doesn't have to deal with it. Oh, I got a manager. I'm two managers above that. It's got to go through two people before I hear about the Volvo not starting on a Friday afternoon. And what are we going to do for this customer? Well, you know the thing that, but but here's what's funny about what you're about what you're saying is, I mean, because there is some truth to that, right? right? That I am sort of removed from that to a certain extent. But you know, it's the power. We were talking the other day about the power of that interdependence, right? right? When you're when you have people, that infrastructure that you talked about, all these people working in concert to try to create whatever it takes to make that vision real. Right. That's exciting and powerful. It creates great energy and accomplishment. So allowing people to do what they do best is really yeah. so important to being successful, I believe, because when you let people be, be driven and, and passionate about what you're, what you're trying to do, they'll do amazing things and they'll do a better job than you. That's Absolutely. what I find. They're better Absolutely. than me, way better than I, I could ever be. You know, being out here this week, because we've been here since Monday or Tuesday, we we were we got out here and Shannon came to me on Wednesday afternoon. He said, "Hey, I'm concerned about something at the shop. I saw this, 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 and this in the numbers. I need to go deal with it, right?" And and I thought that was so cool because I've never been in a position like that before. And mm -hmm. Shannon's been training over the past year and a half to really kind of get to that point that, that he can take on some of that. And so I, I, in some ways I look at where David is right now, no offense to you. And I think like, okay, six months ago, a year ago, year and a half ago, I was really where David is right now. Mm -hmm. And he's training somebody up. He's starting that process of training this guy. But what my, are you talking about? I didn't do Jack. I'm talking about they Juan. just, they, he wasn't even there. And I was on an airplane. No, I, they handled it. That's what all I'm, I want to know is I don't want to know about it. 
Right. That's all I'm saying. I didn't well, handle the problem. I didn't fix anything. I just said, what are you going to do? And then they handled it. But mm-hmm. but my point is, is that my vision is not knowing about it. That's my goal. Don't tell David. <laughs> just deal with it. That's yeah. my vision. Can I, t- can I tell you? Uh, okay, that's fine. But can I tell you what my vision would be? <laughs> Let me tell you what that's my right. vision would be. Is that if you pour into somebody enough that you're going to rely on them to do exactly what you would have done if you were there. That's, that's your goal. Because when they you work, I don't think I want anybody breaking down and crying in the break room. <laughs> and so well, I that wasn't prefer, what I had. Yeah. <laughs> I would prefer some like competence and you know what, because you do have to have some core values is like, make sure we take care of them. That's all we have to do. Like that's the underlying value there. Do how would you want that handled for you? Do that. Right. Well, so in that sense, yeah, I mean, I've got great people that, that know like, Hey, uh, how would I want this handled? Let's just handle it. Right. But I want to be so far removed from the whole process. Well, I, I think my point is this though, is that watching Shannon come into his own in that and be able to handle that situation and understand because it's mine, right? It's my baby. So I get emotional about it and I feel all sorts of ways about this yeah, one thing problem. that went this way, <laughs> yeah. that way. It's your baby. And yeah. so and, you get right. all emotional. Right. And so Shannon calls and he says, Hey, walk me through what you've got going on. Mm-hmm. Right. He didn't call and respond with emotion that I typically would respond with. He calls and t- says, tell me what's going on. Who's doing your advising they, right now? Um, Jaden Jackals. And so he begins to talk to him and he comes back and he's like, Oh, it was this, 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 and this. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm big for seek first to understand. So he slowed down a little bit and understood what they were doing and didn't respond and, and led them through it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's so neat to see somebody take that initiative. Right. Because I've never been in a spot where I had somebody that would take the initiative and learn it and grow it and say, I don't listen. I don't even, you don't need to look at the numbers. I've got it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's all right. I got this. You're good. Right. And that's a really neat experience, whether it's the numbers, whether it's the technical aspect of the business, whatever it is. The problem is, is we I I feel like we build ourselves as the figurehead of the business to such a degree that the business has to depend on us. And I've seen so many shop owners. There's a couple I know in some of the groups I'm in where they built that business around them. And the idea of letting anyone else take any authority or ownership over anything in the shop is terrifying. Robert Griffin. Um, and you know, I, I was talking to him the other day and he's like, no, I'm, I'm giving them authority. I'm just not letting them make any decisions. <laughs> like, that's not authority, I like that. Yeah. 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 And so it is so empowering when they begin to make the right decisions and you see them making those right decisions, but they have to make mistakes to learn to make the right decisions. Right. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot of discipline on your part, I think to be able to bring yourself out of that and allow that to go on and understand that here's the thing you really have to buy into is that no one is ever going to do anything exactly the way you would do it. Okay. But just because they're not doing exactly the way you would do it doesn't mean that it's not good what they're doing. right? Right. It's fine. Um, because you're, you're going to get hopefully a great outcome, maybe even a better outcome than you would have gotten personally. And you have to, you have to allow that to happen. You have to have sort of the self-discipline, the control to allow that to happen. Um, so, and then the other thing that I always tell, I, you know, guys will ask me about this and I will, you know, and I'll tell them like, you, you've got to, you've got to be okay with just letting go and letting people do it that they right. believe to be the right thing for your business, which is hard. Um, but, you know, as I said, you're going to get great outcomes by doing that and and just let people, you know, make the magic happen for you and let them let them execute against your vision and always be talking about this is where we're trying to go and this is how we're going to go there and right. let them let them do it. Release them and let them do what they do best. Absolutely. It, it's exciting to watch. I mentioned a while ago that I'm kind of a micromanager. Mm-hmm. I've got a lady that's worked for me for 25 years and... When she first got there, you have to do things this way. This is how I've always done it. Right. And it went on for several years, and she'd go home crying sometimes because mm. I, I beat her up so bad right. because she didn't do it the exact way I did it. And finally, I had the epiphany right. that we need to get this working right, and I just I gradually let go. Yeah. And it was tough for me. It was really tough for me. Now, 
she can do anything, anything in the business. Yeah. If I'm not there to write payroll, she can write payroll. Right. If I'm not there to do the end of the month books, she she can handle it. Right. And it's it's made things so easy, so much easier. Well, and and it's it's freeing. Right. It, it's something that until you start letting those things happen, you just don't understand how powerful it is. But it is scary. It is really scary the first couple of times you do it. Yeah. And and you see them make those mistakes and you're like, oh, and, and you know, Shannon. Will, I don't I don't get the fear. I don't get it. it. Doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would you? Maybe you can speak to it. I, 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 it it's never been a thing for me. My 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 view is how do I get them as fast as possible to the point where I can trust them? We have built the guardrails up properly. I've got the right person in place. How do I get that? How do I get baby bird out the nest as fast as possible? I would. I, I'm going to be honest with you because I don't. I don't want to know if I stuck some. <laughs> if I stuck some GoPros around your shop. Mm-hmm. And we recorded every single time you called Juan during the day. Oh, I, well, I, I, the only the only reason why we have a conversation, or the only reason why, like we're interacting, is is he's he, he's four techs and one service advisor. It's too much. It's too much. So I'm we're at one and a quarter service advisor because I'm the quarter. I come in and, and you right. know. And help with with inspections and get in contact with customers and stuff like that. And so there has to be communication. Hey, did you talk to so and so? Did you take this phone call? Hey, have you have you done this inspection? You know, I'll work on this. You work on that. And we're just coordinating. Right. Other if look if we didn't if I had somebody else hired, we'll get to that. I don't know. I think, I think service a- advisors are harder to find than technicians. Sorry. I think that, you know, I think the, the issue that Jerry's talking about, you know, like with this, when you're, if you're a micromanager right. by, by nature, when you, when you start to think about, you have to let go, you don't have any choice. I mean, if you start getting into a second shop or you start getting into a third shop, the things that you're talking about, like if you have to run, like I'm not, I can't do that for eight stores. I can't right. be in eight places at once. That can't right. happen. Right. Yeah. So you better get comfortable with the idea of letting other people do their yeah. jobs or you're going to have a, a, have a real problem. And, and the other thing that I would say is I, I talk to guys sometimes and I'll be like, hey, I'm in the shop and people are pulling me in different directions and, you know, I'm getting constantly tugged and I have to right. get involved in this and get involved in that. And my answer is, is, okay, well, if you don't want that to happen, here's the best way to solve that problem. Don't right. be there. Yeah, exactly. Don't be exactly. there, man. Because yep. if you're there, yep. they're going to come after you. They're going to seek you out, you know, yep. because they think that's what you want them to do. Right. And, right. and you've, and you've got to let them know, like, hey, th- I'm not going to be there for you. Um, I'll tell you another really funny story. My business partner, he would get, he would get phone calls. He would get phone calls late at night. People would be calling him and, you know, meaning just wanting to know and we, let's talk, let's right. talk shop and all this right. kind of stuff. And I would tell him, you know why people do that? Because you allow that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you take that phone call, you answer. Right. Whereas for right. me, that thing's going to roll to voicemail all exactly. night. Like you're never going to exactly. get me. And then, and then yeah. after a while, you're well, going to figure out. Me, yeah. You've got to have your own life outside the business yeah. at some point. You're going right? to set these boundaries, and then people are going to learn. And then what yeah. it does is that that absence creates. It's sort of like, you know, it's necessity's the mother of invention. Like when you're not available to them, then they'll yeah. go and they'll figure it out. Right. Right. They will. Well, and and it, it was it, it resounds with me the way that that my business started. Right, because I was the guy who was trying to work fifty and sixty and seventy hours a week, and I was trying to do everything myself. And the clients got to the Didn't point. Don't work that, fifty, sixty hours a week now. No, lies. Well, He's I'm lying. I'm, I'm a liar. Not in the shop, though. <laughs> Do you work that long, or are you just there that long? Well, I'm, I'm rarely at the shop. I'm usually at the Let's new shop. Let's not bring that so. up, Jerry. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we put in the hours oh, at yeah. the work. The hours. Yeah, we put hours in. But, but you know, in, in those days, I was letting the client dictate our rules of engagement, mm-hmm. right? And over time, I learned that the client doesn't dictate what we do. And so I was working all these hours, and I was trying to do all this stuff. And it, it would never fail. Friday, 6.30 p.m., a bolt would break, and they wanted their car, and I promised them it would be done. So now here I am. It's midnight. And, you know, that's life, right? But and your so- workload hasn't gone down. Um, I, you know, to be honest, it probably has. I mean, 
remember, I've been in this thing for a while. Okay. Yeah. So I used to, I used to be there. It was constant. I mean, I think I said, yeah. you know, I had talk, talked about earlier. I had gas stations at the beginning. Those things were 24 seven. Right. You know, right. I was, I was doing graveyard shifts. I mean, I yeah. was there. Oh yeah. I was there all the time. Yeah. So here's, so here's why I feel okay about it. Cause I, I paid a lot of dues, right? right. I paid, in other words, I put a lot in. Yeah. Um, right. But the answer is, yeah, probably not. But, I don't. I don't work as hard today as I did when I was in my twenties and thirties. I mean, I think right. that's fair well, to say. But you're saying you were saying that store number five is easier than store number three, four, and five. Like till you get that fifth store, when you, while you were growing, w- would you say that you weren't? In, in other words, if growing up from three to five. Is it less work than operating or or being on top of every little aspect of one shop? It's no, you, no, that in that three to five range, and that was a while. That was a little while ago. You're hustling, yeah. Oh man, you're yeah. in it, and you're work. I mean, yeah. you're in it. And you're you're pretty deep, yeah. pretty deep in it. But that's my point. Yeah, like, yeah. He, he didn't let up. No, he just right. It, it's he focused his energy on something else. Exactly. Where he's yeah. he's like, I got to yeah, run the payroll. Exactly. I got to make sure the cars yep. dispatch. I got to make sure the QC's done. I got. He's looking at smaller stuff. He's looking at a macro. Where do we get our next shop? What's the next acquisition? Right. This lands Makes up. Sense. I got to go yeah. look at this. I got to go talk to appraisers. I got to go talk to the attorney. I got to go find the financing. It's different work. That's, yeah. that's exactly right. And it's, you know, it's the same concept. Like if you think about as a single store operator, like we talked about the other day, if you're looking to, if you're going to go look for a second store, then whatever roles you have in the business today, you've got to look for a way to replace yourself, right? So whether yeah. you're working out in the shop or if you're on the front counter, somebody else has got to do that. And then as the organization grows, there, there are things that you always wore the different hats, whether it was marketing or, you know, right. human resources or you know, yeah. hiring and firing, whatever. And eventually you're going to find people to replace you doing those jobs, right? Right. Because... Yeah. And then, so as you do more of that, more replacing of these core activities, then, you know, you're more free to do other things, as you said, because you're exactly right. It just allows you to change your focus. And my focus today, what I do today is I'm really responsible for looking down the pike, trying to figure out right. where are we going? How are we going to get there? Visionary. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what's, what changes are coming in the industry? This thing we're doing this weekend is exactly, right. yeah. it, this is perfect, right? Because we're talking about changes that are coming down the line. Right. And that's my responsibility to the, to the company right. to make sure that I've got my finger on the pulse of that and bring that back to the organization. Let me ask you a question. Uh, I just find this kind of interesting what, what your perspective would be. As you're starting to replace yourself and all those little hats that you're wearing, mm-hmm. do you find it easier? Have you found it easier in the past to hire or outsource? So it's a great question. So at the beginning, we did a lot of outsourcing. And so, and, and this, this, uh, discussion about scale, like having a significant or, or having adequate scale to justify doing something in-house, that was always our belief. Uh, we were going to outsource. So a lot of our marketing function, we outsourced and we did a lot of the benefits piece was outsourced and there were, and even the accounting function. I mean, we did all of the bookkeeping, but the, the financials were all being done by an outside company. We'd hand over all this stuff and they'd get it all back to us. And so, and, and so you're right. It's a great question. So then eventually when you start to do get some scale and you, and it is maybe at that five store level, hmm. then you say, okay, now it makes sense that I've got a, I've got a job because yeah. the problem was when you, when you, when you don't have enough scale, you start thinking about, okay, like, is this a 40 hour a week job? Is this a full-time job? Right. 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 Yeah. And then, so when the organization gets big enough, then you think, okay, this is a full-time job. Now I can hire somebody and it's not so much about, saving money or just it just there's greater efficiency and greater attention right. when you're doing your own stuff as, as opposed to letting somebody else do it for you yeah. and it's at that point that you say okay i'm going to take some of these functions in-house so for us we used to outsource a ton of stuff i mean we just as much as we could do and did you find that that was an effective way though to push to that five store it mark worked, it worked for us yeah. for sure yeah it worked for us and we were always trying to remain you know, as lean and mean as we could and, um, and let other people do what they do well. Cause I'm a big right. believer in that too. Yeah. Um, you that know, makes why, sense. why am I going to become an expert on SEO or how to handle right. like, yes. you know, placing yeah. AdWords or different things like that? Like, right. Hey, let's hire somebody who does that every day and yeah. understands and is focused on it. They're going to be better at it than me exactly. and, and I'm going to let them do that. 
right. then and then hopefully over time I can begin to learn some things and try to bring that in house at some point if it makes right. sense. But we still outsource a lot of things. You know, yeah. the, the online marketing piece. We you know we because there we have, there's companies that are that are great at it. Yeah, right. We talked. We, had, we were with Margaret the other night. Right. right. Absolutely. Hey man, they're as good as as it comes. In my exactly. Opinion, right? and, so, and and for what you can pay them to do it. Exactly. You couldn't do it yourself. Yeah, the cost. There's no sure. way. That makes sense. Yeah. There's no way. Well, yeah. When I took on uh, uh, Danny mm-hmm. and Margaret, oh yeah, I thought I've never spent this much money on marketing in my I life. Mm-hmm. Right. We all thought that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, and about six years later, I look at it and it's just a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and just it's working. Yep. Yeah. I can see it work. Yep. So. So I love it. Yeah, I love it too. And and to to make your point, you know, I'll 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 talk about when you're when you're spending money on marketing, the goal is like let's say you say, well, what what should you be spending, right? And right. It could be a percentage of sales. So let's say you say, oh, I want it to be five percent of sales. Or if I'm in growth mode, it might be a little higher. I might right. be seven or eight. But if my overall objective is five percent of sales, well, over time, what you're really trying to do is the the absolute spend, the dollar spend doesn't change significantly, right. but the percentage goes down because yep. the sales are growing. Going up. That's yep. right. In other words, that's what we're all trying to do is, yep. hey, let's grow that pie. Exactly. And then, and then I'm not really spending less money, right. but, I, but as a percentage of what I'm producing, yeah. it's, it's a smaller number. Yeah. And, and I remember the days when I was doing fourteen and $15,000 a month. Mm-hmm. And I remember how small that pie is, right? <laughs> yeah, you, just, yeah, you, never, you never realize I think that's, that. a, that's something that a lot, of, a lot of shop owners don't, don't think about, don't realize, like you're saying, there there is, I think, a dollar amount where you hit a, a critical mass point, mm-hmm. marketing-wise, where it doesn't always, it's not as efficient to keep dumping money into it, but if you don't hit that, and, and the number's different, depends on your market and your mix of traditional to digital or whatever, but there, there's definitely a dollar amount, and it's always five, six times what the average shop owner thinks right. average shop owner gets a bill for 1500 bucks and, and they're like, and without ad spend and they're like, oh, what, what, what do you mean? That doesn't include my ad spend and it's $1,500. And it's like, dude, that's like the starting point. Like, yeah, you need at least 1500 in ad spend plus the 1500 that you're paying the digital marketing agency plus what you're spending on the website plus what you're putting in postcards. Like there's, it's a it's a number you're trying to hit that you're trying to accelerate your spend in marketing to hit that dollar amount to where it hits critical mass and then yeah absolutely you start to see your sales start to go up that ad spend doesn't creep up as much as fast mm-hmm. yeah and your percentage yeah. is coming down exactly. and it's always way more it's always way more than what the shop owners think Brandon Dills was like well, how much should should I spend so much more than much, you are. Yeah, way more than what you're spending now. Right. And way more than $400 a month is just not It's not it. going yeah. to do anything, dude. It's not going to do anything. Some, well, something that that I found is with all the automatic payments. Yeah. ACH payments. You can you can have those expenses go sky high. Yeah. And and not notice it. You don't notice it. Yeah. You, know, you pay the bill every month. And I look at it and I say, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to have clean financials to be able to see it. Mm-hmm. If you don't have clean financials, if you don't have a P&L you can look at and say that that percentage of that is this, and, and you're not seeing a trend, right? Because if you got clean financials and you print a P&L and you do a 12-month run on it, you can see if it changes, mm-hmm. right? And you can see that percentage. Guys, I want to ask you, you're two of the powerhouses of our industry, Right. Looking forward, what advice would you give shop owners today? What you know, there's a lot of young guys that listen to the show. There's a lot of young techs that are saying, "Hey, I want to start a shop." What, don't. Let's just throw that one out there. Don't. I think my main advice that I would give is if you're going to get in it, get in it to win. Yep. And Get trained and talk to other people just as much as you can. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I think, I, I think the networking is is the biggest point of that. I, I think, and I, I, I agree. I think I think what Jerry said. So, I mean, 
it's a great time to be in our business. That's the way I feel. And, and when I look out into the future, this, this, a lot of the things we were talking about today, there's tremendous opportunity that still exists. It's going to be around for a long time. Right. So if, if you are committed and you are passionate about what we're trying to do here, then yeah, I'd say jump in and, and, uh, and be prepared because it's going to be, it's going to be maybe wilder than you expected at certain times, but it's right. going to be, it's going to be something that you're going to love doing. And you're going to be rewarded for it. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I mean, I would encourage anybody who wanted to make that step. Like, it's a great, great time to be in our business. And by rewarded, it might be just with purpose. Maybe. And no, not that's necessarily right. a boat. No, that's right. Or three. No, no, no. That, that's exactly <laughs> hey, I, right. I, I wish you had been there to take his class. I really do. I mean, I left his class and I felt a lot better about it. I feel like it. I took his class just listening to him talk. You, if you had been through that class, I'm, a, I'm dead serious. I felt a lot better about our industry when I came out. I really did. Really? I felt, I felt a lot better about where we're at as an industry. He gave me hope in our industry. I swear to God. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I do. I, I mean it. I'm dead serious. Because we, that's something, like I said, we have talked about. Mm-hmm. Like, is this is this where we're going? Everybody's going to buy a bunch of stores, and it's all going to be about the money, and it's all going to be about selling the stores, and it's not about the people anymore. And when I left your class, I really felt like there were still people who really had a vision of how this could be about the people and could be about the money if it needed to be, but it was about doing the right thing. So Absol- thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate my, that. My pleasure, and I, I appreciate you saying that. Because yes, we're, we're passionate about it, and we're... We're trying to do the right thing every day and make a difference for our own people and for the communities that we serve. That's well, really our, our purpose. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Mm-hmm. All bet. right. You guys have a good day. You too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.